Hey, we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302, and you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge, better understanding, and a clear direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor. Please like, share, and follow Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes, and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. And this episode, we have Derek McCoy with a focus on revolutionizing schools and rethinking the future of education. Currently the principal of North Ashboro Middle School in Ashboro City Schools, Derek has over 20 years of experience as a middle school principal, assistant principal, and middle school mathematics teacher. He's been very fortunate to have been part of difference-making teams in schools that have helped learners and teachers grow and achieve in rural, urban, and low-income learning environments. He embraces his mission to create learning experiences that serve learners and help adults change practice and beliefs and skill sets to meet the needs of schools. Being the difference for learners by being the leader's We need them to be as a passion point he brings to celebrate and show how we all can be that revolutionary. In 2014, Derek was recognized as a National Digital Principal of the Year. As an active PLN builder in North Carolina, he was named one of 25 to follow on hashtag NCED. In 2018, he was asked to join a panel of experts on Capitol Hill to discuss with lawmakers the critical need to rethink middle school education. We're going to talk about rethinking education today, and we welcome you, Derek, to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you all so much for having me, and I hope everyone out there is having a tremendous Wednesday. That's great. So without further ado, let's jump right in. You wrote a book called The Revolution. It's time to empower change in our schools. We love that title. Let's start with the book and then get into some of your experiences Let's please just tell us why you wrote this book. Why did it come to you to write a book called The Revolution? And what message did you want educators to take from it? Always happy and proud to share about our work with The Revolution. So my co-author and I, Darren, we met through a mutual friend who was getting us together to talk about the great work that we were all separately doing in our schools with changing learning spaces for our, for our students. And it was physically changing learning spaces. So on a conference call, Darren, I was listening, I was keying into Darren as, because he was a, he and I were the two middle school principals there and hearing his work, we just clicked and connected. And we just had a conversation about middle school can and needs to be so different than it is right now. Right now, 
middle school, middle schools as for, for the most part, you know, they're just indicative of the one classroom schoolhouse practices where the adult is afraid of kids being out of control. We have these strict measures. We think about the hormonal middle schoolers, just, just how we almost demonize. I don't, that's too strong a word, but we build up so much negative imagery that we have so many constraints and compliant practices in place. So Darren and I, uh, we got together and we wrote a, just a great book about things that we are doing in our schools right now to empower students to be fantastic learners and activists, where we empower teachers to take charge of their learning environments and the learning trajectories in their classrooms. And we are get, getting away from the control, from the compliance mindset and the one size fits all factory mentality that has been beat into our brains and just slowly starting revolutions, helping people see that we can and need to do different. Thank you, Derek. If you wouldn't mind jumping into some of that dialogue on that we must change. I just was reading something today that even post-pandemic or post-vaccination, like let's not get too ahead of ourselves, post-vaccination, that schools won't change that we will regress to where we were. Can you speak to some of the will that it takes to lead some change and some of the success you had and how did you have that success, especially in environments like middle schools, high schools that function away in a way that is designed to, you know, control students, keep them behaved and so on. We all know that, you know, and so, can you speak to that will and really some of the accomplishments you had? Joseph, I absolutely will. And I will preface this with, I love your positive thinking and saying accomplishments. I'm just going to say the ongoing work and the slow incremental growth that we're making there. I just started North Ashboro Middle School this, this summer. So this is change that we are making but are realizing every day as we move as we move on. Let me start that answer with challenging us to look at our reaction and what we did when the pandemic happened. Okay. When I'm not the pandemic, when the shutdown happened. What what did we do? We went to I think well I'll say what I was reading and what I what I was hearing, what I was seeing was mostly packet work, you know, packet work to me rep represents old school primers, you know, uh, everybody read page one, now flip to page two, now answer the questions on page three. We're in, we're in 2020, we have digital resources, forget the resources that we have, what do we know about learning? Learning is not about page one, page two, page three. We know how we know more about how the brain works. So when the pandemic happened, understandably, we had to get something out to, to the learners. But when we had time to adjust, when we had time to adjust, what did we do then? I think a critical examination of what we did then when we had time to adjust 
lets us see where we are and what we need to do to address the needs of learners. Because yes, so in North Carolina, which is where I am, we, we've been in plan B since the second nine weeks. And plan B is half kids in, half kids out. And some kids choosing to stay virtual the whole time. <clears throat> so we've, we've had reduced classrooms. Even in some, in some of our cases with reduced classrooms, and so that's, that's like 10 kids per class. We're still seat-driven work, teacher-driven work. Do this and, and just quiet classrooms. Again, we know what learning is. We know how social learning is. We know that for learning, there has to be some productive struggle. But when we have time to adjust with reduced numbers and we're still in this and still using teaching methods from 20 years ago, there's a disconnect there. So some of the work that we're doing in our school now, Joe, and that was a long setup to get to what we're doing right now is we're just having intentional coaching opportunities with teachers and saying, hey, we even we, in our weekly blog that we sent out to our teachers, we have a section in our blog called, while you have five kids in your classroom, try this. Let's try some stations. Let's try some, let's try an aspect of personalized learning. Let's try some student driven, some interest driven work. While you have five kids in your classroom, so yes, we're in a horrible time right now, but while we're in this horrible time, we, we still, we can't ignore what we know about learning. So let's, let's design some opportunities for teachers to try some, some safe opportunities for teachers to take some risks, try some new things and allow students to product, to, to engage in some productive struggle, to try some new things, to to really capitalize on the curiosity and the creativity piece. Our new assistant principal, uh, these are the conversations that, that we're engaging in. These are the talks that we're engaging in. We have, re, we have redesigned our professional development away from, you know how PD used to be? Well, for us, it used to be those one hour, one shot deals where it might be a tool driven or skill driven. We, we have redesigned them to be more like courses now where our first four courses are on equity, empowerment. I'm leading that one, building relationships and having a growth mindset. In that we are changing skills, we're, change, we're changing skill sets, mindsets and beliefs. So that when you emerge from that, you won't just know how to use a tool. We're hoping to help teachers unlearn and relearn some critical things. That's, that's a fantastic answer to the question, Derek. And I really so excited that you're focused on mindset shift. And I, you got really granular with what you're doing to help with that mindset shift, because I was going to ask that question, but you answered it in that the professional development has changed. I really like the sentence stem that everybody on this call can use with teachers while you have dot, 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 let's try this dot, dot, dot. Now that we're in this together, dot, dot, dot. I think those are great sentence stems. How do you assess when that shift starts to happen for a teacher? What are you looking for from that person when you know and you think to yourself, yes, we're changing from that factory mindset, that seat-driven work to this new 
thing? What are you looking for? I was literally having a conversation with a second year teacher. I think, I think, no, I think she's a third year teacher, but first year to our school. I was having a conversation with her today. And as I was talking to her about what she's doing in her classroom, it made me reflect on my work and what I am doing in my messaging. So am I really creating a safe, risk-free environment for our teachers to try new things. If I am creating the risk-free environment and letting them not and just not just talking but walking the walk, then they truly will feel empowered to try new things. That's where empowerment comes from. I think that's one of the areas where empowerment comes from. My work and my focus on risk-free, then I have to commit to being part of that planning process with all those teachers. So if we're sitting down and we're planning all these great things, they need to hear big ideas come from me. And that's gonna, again, empower and enable them to really motivate them to come up with those next level great things as well. My responsibility is to model, to to build the risk-free and to be a part of those building conversations as much as possible. Eric, to continue on that line of thought because the risk-free I think is critical. If you're going to improve the student experience in every school, what would you want to see done? Joseph, oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> this is entire uh, your your question um, man this is entirely what has excited me so much about my school and my team here's here's a short answer for you kids showing their joy for coming to school kids be not just oh hey i'm happy to see you mr jones but i'm telling teachers when kids start running down the hallway because they can't wait to get to that teacher's classroom, you will not hear a principal yelling, stop running. You're going to hear a principal yelling, run faster, because that's, that's some awesome learning to, to go to. So true joy. Are we creating environments where kids are on fire to try to engage in some, some different things? and to demonstrate their learning in 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 just however creative ways that they can come up with. We're looking for learning opportunities where student choice is at the center, really is at the center. We know we're gonna be standards driven. That's that's just without a doubt. But how do we we make choice in standard driven? How are we gonna be creative about that? And then our learning systems having flexible opportunities for students to progress, to demonstrate what they know, and how to move on. In the book, in our book, The Revolution, my co-author Darren, at his school, South Harrisburg, their students choose every day the the learning modules that they want to to go through. And that, and there's so so much choice. They choose how to demonstrate. It's uh, the teachers have an evolved and changed role from direct instruction to facilitator to coach. And you see just a real shift in where that occurs. I think so many of us, the adults, we're so prepared to, okay, I got to come in and I got to be the center. And that's a lot of unlearning that we have to engage in 
for our for our teachers to hey no you yes we understand that you were taught that but take some steps back you don't have to be at the center make some other things the center and you're still the director you're still the glue that holds it together without a doubt it's just a different way i really like that joy choice facilitation student-centered yes sir I mean, that is the shift, right? You said something earlier that I'd like to come back to. You said, what do we know about learning? And then you followed that up with how the brain works. I think for the leaders on the call and anybody listening, do you have a go-to resource for that? Like, is there something you were looking at the books in the background of my, uh, my uh, background here? And I was just wondering, do you have a learning book, uh, metacognitive, neuroscience, anything that you're leaning on for that? So I'm going to encourage everyone to find your own path with the learning and the, the learning and the neuroscience. That one, that, that I don't have a go-to author on that one. I can tell you though, for learning in schools, one of my go-tos is just a standard George Kuros, the innovator's mindset. I encourage everyone get into it tap into tap into what we can do for that curiosity and for the curiosity for the creativity and getting to the learners another and this one is not learning in neuroscience but truly barbara bray how to personalize learning mind-blowing let me just say that let me just say that it's not a step one step two step three day one day two day day three kind of thing but it is a great framework for you John Spencer, AJ Giuliani, their book Empower. They, I mean, John Spencer does great work. Their book Empower. He, I would also encourage Launch. These are some great practicals. Not that, no, not quite practicals. These are some great insight, insight-driven works that can help you see it. We, if I may, encourage the leaders to do anything here. If I may encourage you to please do something. We were taught to look for something easy that teachers can implement, almost script driven. Say this, do this activity day one. Say this, do this activity day two. Say this, do this activity day three, use this assessment. By no means is that learning, all right? And I'm not knocking anybody. I, I, I'm, a, this is, I'm 52 years old. I know how I know what I use when I was in the classroom. I used to rely on that until I had to unlearn some of that early on. So I'm not knocking anybody, but it is incumbent upon us to know that there that at any given point, each of your learners in your your room need different things, or they are capable of doing so much more, or they are ready for more or not ready for that. And we can design better. So instead of looking for that resource that says day one, day two, day three, look for resources that help you get into design, get into uh, creation and personalizing. And in the revolution, we list, we, we have a couple of authors and we talk about our, what it looked like at our schools it's just possible and, and, and it's doable. It, it, and it doesn't have to be multi-billion, blah, 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 blah. This is just people with feet on the ground. 
It's a very important message, Derek, and I. We often discuss the the difference between a learning environment and a teaching environment, and I think once schools can embrace that, then it begins to shift. But I I really do think what you're describing begins with the leader because if there is a fear among teachers that the evaluation tool is going to be used against them or the, or the administrator is going to come in and simply hold them to a task. It's not a growth environment. The same with the students and the teacher. So things don't get task driven. How, can you talk a little bit about how to build that environment, what leaders can do where teachers feel supported, they feel like they can take a risk and start designing and where it's an expectation from administrators, not just something that they talk about on a Friday, but truly an expectation that you're gonna be in a design world in the classroom. I would take that conversation to a point of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think that most of us got into this Equity, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, in recent years has launched with a different specific focus. I think all educators at some point knew that they wanted equitable classrooms, okay? Our recent focus here, and we don't get into into this in, in our book, but this is the application of it. When we look at page one, at page one, page two, page three, or day one, day two, day three activities, we're putting everybody in the same box. I mean, it's, it's the same for everybody. We, it's irrespective of what they can do, what they can't do, what they bring, and really what they want to do, how they want to shine. That is, that is as inequitable as it gets. That is as irrespective to diversity and inclusion as it gets. <clears throat> when we look at this from a lens of the diverse talents, minds, hearts, hands in the classroom and approach this from not just what you want to do, not just your background, but we will build this differently together, then everyone shines and grows from where they are. And it helps us have a lens for each individual student in the classroom. We've all, I, I, I wanna assume the best in everybody. I assume the best in everybody, but we all want the best for all of our students. We get lost in how to get the best in, in, in all of our students. So the one size fits all, the standardized practices the unpersonal, unpersonalized learning gets us further away from that piece. When we embrace the individuals, when we make it personal, then we, when we make it personal by personalizing, then we're able to see each and more of our students. I really like that you said each and more. I think that's critical. A lens for each student in the classroom means knowing more about them and being able to personalize from their entry point, not ours. Ooh, yes. I, I, I like that you said, I really like that part. And I also, I wrote this down. I, I hope somebody tweets this out. The risk-free risk. 
Like that's that's an awesome way of putting it, Derek. I'm wondering as a as maybe a final question here, do you have a book you wish somebody would write? I I'm writing a well or yes. your next book. We'll take the title of your next book. So I can't give you the title, but I you know what? I can't give you the title, but I can tell you that the next book you hear from Derek McCoy is going to be a lot about what we talked about here so that we can get to each and more of our students. The critical need for us to shift from how we were taught as students to how our learners need us to teach them. And when we do that, we will see more and better from each and all of our students. And, and, and that accomplishes, not accomplishes, we are able to appreciate more of the diversity and then really tackle more of the diverse issues. And there are a lot of systematic and systemic practices and beliefs on the school macro level that we have to, that we have to adjust. You know, how, un, when, case in point, when you talk about the school schedule, that's, that is a big piece of inequity right there. You know, again, you're putting everybody in the same 50 minute, 50 minute spot. So get it in 50 minutes. What, is, what does that mean? So, you know, I, I'm a math, I, I'm a math teacher, but some days I need 42 minutes for my math. And some days I might need 90, you know, the school schedule can be an inequitable uh, driver as well. So that is going to be the piece that, that is going to be one of the pieces that, that we got coming out that, that I'm going to have coming out next. But I, I'll tell you, I'm excited about uh, Baruti Cafele's work. You know, Baruti's got, he's, he's got, he's got a lot of them out there and he's got one coming out about 50, you know, he did 50, 50 questions for the principal, 50 questions for the assistant principal. And he's doing one for 50 questions for social justice. I, I'm, I'm excited to see that one. My friend Dwight Carter has, has a book coming out, Disruptive Times, Leading in Disruptive Times. Mm -hmm. There's a volume two coming out that is, that is going to address pandemic and uh, social justice as well. Uh, but, but again, those aren't necessarily about learning, but they are about how we have to disrupt and look at things through, through a different and, and new lens. Well, thank you for that. This has been absolutely great. And we really enjoyed having you on the podcast. We appreciate your time. Everybody listening, I, I know I have copious notes here in front of me. Is there anything else that you would like to add for today's live audience or for uh, any listeners at home? Uh, for everyone, please, from my heart, just please be safe. Uh, please practice safe. Uh, do what you can to, and for your kids to be safe. Uh, that is... These days, that's primary and number one. But number two, there's, there's always a great day. Today is always a great day to rethink and try something that is learner-centered. And that's what we talk about in the book, being learner-centered. So if we can, and if we can help you with that, please do. My Twitter is, McCoy, is at McCoy Derrick. Um, my co-authors... <clears throat> name is Darren L. Wayne. He is uh, at D.L. Wayne. And uh, I, we, we are here to help everyone. Now, we're both middle school principals. And this 
we talk a lot about middle schools in the revolution, but we have K-12 conversation for you. So we're here to help. Stay connected. Fantastic. You heard it here on Focus Ed. Derek McCoy, everyone, a virtual round of applause for Derek. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. We'll be back soon with another episode of Focus Ed. Until then, stay focused. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest. Self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about, you know, getting a good night's sleep. But, you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend GhostBed, our sponsor, with 30,000-plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a 101-night at-home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com, you get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out Ghostbed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow, that's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral if you get somebody else a good night's sleep. Better sleep for you, better leadership. Ghostbed.com, you can't beat it. Ghostbed.com. <laughs>